0: All right, we're live. Okay, okay, okay. Welcome back. Alec Dinkoff here with the Freelancer Podcast, talking all things freelancing, working from home, working remote. That's what we, that's what we like here, that's what we do. We'll give everybody a second cuz this goes live. If you're watching this later, this goes live on Castbox, right? Uh, hi Lily, Lily's already in the chat are prepared. Glad to see you, Lily. Uh, for those of you, just as a reminder, uh, this is 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is. We also do a UK versus US podcast, 11 a.m. to noon Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays and Sundays, and it's 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. UK time, GMT, on Saturdays and Sundays. Thanks, Lily. 9 a.m., Beijing. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's the 12-hour difference. Ah, I love that easy conversion. 9 a.m. in Beijing, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Fantastic. Today, we're going to be talking about what should you ask a freelancer before you hire them? I've got a few questions here, and I want to read them off, give my response, talk a little bit about uh, the validity, make sure that yeah, these are good questions or, oh no, I wouldn't answer this. There's some good questions in here. All righty, let's kick it off. If you're going to hire a freelancer, by the way, um, I think we talked about this on a previous podcast where some people mentioned that, yeah, I would hire a freelancer, but for bigger projects, if I uh, if they wanted to remove risk, they would hire a company. Uh, I fire back with, there's risk in all things. It's whether you're at, with a company or a freelancer, there is a certain amount of risk you have to put up with. The only good thing about a brick-and-mortar store is if they up and leave, usually that means they had to completely shut down. A freelancer sometimes is more mobility, especially if they're a team of one. So I can see why there's a little bit more risk in going freelance with a project. But freelancers, sometimes they're, they're just as good, if not better. They care more. They... It's not just about the bottom dollar with them. It's about creating something, working with a team. As a freelancer, when you don't get a lot of that interpersonal connection because you're not in an office environment constantly, it it really means a lot when you're working with clients. It's absolutely fantastic. So we're going to cover the questions, what you should ask to freelancers before you hire them. This article I'm getting the information from is cloudpeeps.com. Uh, It was written in October 26, 2015, but usually the hiring process is someone who's done recruiting uh, over the entire nation of the U.S. Onboarding questions, they may shift depending on the field. They may change a little bit or how it's worded with time, but the general sense that a person is going to belong in your company culture, that they're going to belong on your team, that they're going to do great work, those questions are going to be prevalent, and they always have been. Back as, as far back as people in language have gone. Sure, they've updated and gotten better at drilling down into actual answers or getting the right answers for what you're looking for. But I digress. The first question they point out is, how long have you been freelancing? Okay, that's a good question. Um, for a few different reasons. First thing that comes to mind, why, or not why, but how long have you been freelancing? I think to myself, just like if you're at a job interview, how long have you, or how, what's your experience, right? How long have you been in this field? Now, you could be a pro architect. Absolutely great. Worked at a stunning architect firm, Have a, has a great degree, lots of projects under your belt, etc., but you've never worked on your own. There are challenges that come when you're not working with a team that there's also a lot of good things that come when you're not working with a team. If it's just you, right, and the client, you don't have to answer to anyone except the client. You don't have to bounce ideas off with anybody else. You What you say is what you can give them. And communication can be very fast. But uh, there's articles out there that suggest that diversity in the workplace often gives better results or cre- more creative results. It can drive ingenuity and boost your performance. So if it is just you, sometimes there's that diversity that kind of crumbles away. That doesn't mean your work won't be stunning. It just means you may not be as innovative, uh, but that's not always the case, obviously. So how long have you been freelancing? If they're very new to it, we're talking one to three months. They're still going to be learning how to balance their schedule perhaps. Yeah, but there's also goods with someone who's just beginning freelancing because that means they may not have the schedule completely dictated already. They may not have the burden of tons of clients where you're just a drop in the bucket, right? You could be their biggest or best or newest client and they're going to give you all their attention. There are pros and cons. But like I said, if they're not used to working on their own, if they're not used to setting their own schedule, there are some downfalls and some hiccups that can occur. So keep that in mind for one to three months. Now, let's say after that three months to a year point, if somebody's freelancing, they're getting used to it, right? They still are in that honeymoon phase of freelancing. So they're there, they're ready to work. They've probably worked with other clients. And as long as they have have a background in what they're doing, they're probably gonna give a good product. And they may just, even if they don't have a background further than that year that they've been freelancing, they could still give a stunning product depending on what they're doing. Oh, sorry if you hear the traffic outside. It's a beautiful, hot summer day here out in the Chicagoland area. My apologies for that. Everybody's out enjoying the weather. I would rather be talking to you. Now, in that year mark, they're going to grow. They're going to learn. You're going to get those clients that there should be some, oops, I messed up, or oh, I couldn't appease everyone. I didn't make everyone happy. Even the most famous movie stars, even the most famous songwriters, they have people who don't like them. You cannot make everyone happy. It's just not going to happen, right? You can try really hard and usually come out pretty well, but over a long enough time frame, you're going to have a client sooner or later that you just don't work well together. And it's going to be a learning process. As long as you learn from it, it can help boost you and push you forward. So in that year mark, hopefully you won't be that client, but they're going to have a little bit better grip on their schedule. They're going to have a little bit better grip on what is required of them. It won't be their first go at freelancing, right? You're not going to be their first customer if they've been doing this for a year. So th- with the year mark, it brings another factor that I want to talk about. So if somebody has been doing a freelancing for three years, okay, three years as their main source of revenue. That's a good sign, right? They're At this point, they're a business. They're not going anywhere. They've succeeded. It seems at least. They say most businesses fail within three years. It's a general statistic, but the reason for it is you get out of that honeymoon. You realize just how much work goes into this. You realize what it's going to take. And if you don't love what you do, if you don't persevere then you're going to fall behind or fall out of freelancing. You get burnt out. Uh, some people there's a reason certain people do entrepreneurship and certain people say they're an entrepreneur and then don't do anything. Right. So at the three-year mark, I start to think of them as you know, a business, I would say. And they're gonna be a little bit more steady. Now life happens, right? We'll get into that in a second but they're going to be more steady than a year mark because after about the year mark, things, I mean, it's fun. If you love what you do, you're going to persevere and you're going to hit to that three-year mark and beyond. But you might start to realize the negatives where, oh, I, I don't have a stable paycheck anymore, right? If I'm freelancing, I don't have a boss that's going to give me all my health benefits. We've talked about pros and cons on this podcast before. If you haven't seen it, go back to, I think, the first episode of this podcast. We talk about pros and cons of, freelancing and working from home. Good information there. So someone could get burnt out. And that's the difference between a brick and mortar store, which it seems more and more going away. Thanks Amazon. But Hey, we were the ones as consumers buying from them. So, right. Take it or leave it. But the brick and mortar store, you're going to see it coming, right? You're they're not gonna have a lot of traffic. They're not going to have a lot of customers. It's going to be apparent. Whereas a freelancer they could be at the end of their run and you won't know it until it's too late, right? And they end up ghosting you, disappearing, stopping halfway through the project and saying, I couldn't finish it or sorry, I just, something came up, right? Uh, You don't know what type of person they are, but they're not going to survive in freelance three, four, five years if they consistently do this. I would hope, I would think, right? That's a lack of work ethic. That's a lack, lack of follow through. That's a lack of morality, almost, if you say you're going to do something and then you just don't. But life does happen. So in that, I think that's a overarching risk of freelancers where at a business, if you have multiple people and something happens to one of them, other people will pick up the slack. If you have a freelancer who's really great and they get sick, nothing is getting done. So how long have you been freelancing is really good, but it's not the end-all be-all, like I said, if they are just starting out, they might give you your project, everything that they've got and really knock it out of the park. So moving on, the second question they say, hey, if you're going to talk to a freelancer, if you're going to hire them, this is what you should ask. Why do you freelance? This is important. This kind of goes back to a little bit of what I was saying. If you have that passion, that motivation that drives you, you will stay with it. You will succeed. Okay. Okay. Even if it's a side job where you're doing this after work and on the weekends, you will keep with it because it's fun for you. Now, something they don't tell us is when we're growing up is, yeah, you can do anything. A lot of the younger kids have heard this, right? Other people were told, you know, grow up, get a job, go to work. That's it. Period. Right. Freelancing has helped break that mold quite a bit. Just just has, uh, was it, craftsmen evolved and then there was the industrial revolution, industrial revolution. Now we have the tech revolution. Things evolve, things change. That's what happens. So what you were taught and thought when you were a kid may not be as applicable today, right? There's still core values, right? There's certain habits that are probably really good. But before I completely go off on a tangent, why do you freelance? It, it's got to be, it's not, it's not about, oh, I just want extra money. That's not going to do it because if you're doing this part-time and you go to work all day, you have to come home, you have to do dinner, you have to get the kids ready. And then you're going to try and get that extra 30 minutes in the, in there at the end of the day or the extra hour just to do freelancing. If you don't love it, if you dread it, it's not going to happen. You're, you're going to skip it. And it's you're just going to spin your wheels. You might get some assignments completed here and there, but, or some jobs I should say, not assignments. It's not school, but, You'll get burnt out. It won't be worth it. Now, if you love what you do, right? It it'll help you keep pushing through. So that lets me know if I if I had to hire a freelancer and say and they said, or why do you why do you freelance? And they say, I love it. It's my passion. I'm doing everything I can, et cetera, et cetera. I'm gonna feel very comfortable with that. I'm gonna feel very good about working with them. Not only because they're gonna stay there, they're gonna be more stable. But also they care. They they want to do this. It's not about that bottom dollar anymore. It's about making something. It's about working with other people. It's about creating and collaboration. It's it's a it's a great process. So there's more to freelance than just, oh, I thought it would be nice to pick up a extra job. And there's nothing wrong with that though, right? There's nothing wrong with someone saying, you know, I, I think it's it's my hobby. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But why do you freelance is a big question. I totally agree. And I think that should definitely be on this list. Shout out to Jessica, who's joined the chat. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the chat. Feel free to ask any questions, any comments, concerns. Let us know. Next, number three, what type of projects have you worked on? This is good. This is just like any company, right? When you go to a company's webpage, a lot of times they're going to say, Hey, we work with these people, or we've helped diversify these brands, or, you know, this. these are our main top clients. And then they give testimonies, especially with customers and things, right? If it's business to business, B2B or B2C, you're going to see a different kind of setup. But this has always been a mainstay in showing credibility. So what type of projects have you worked on? They're going to, a it's a valid question, right? You should be able to answer that. Now, if you're just starting out and you can't, you don't have any experience, that's tough. I get it. But that's the, the same concept as coming from college or even just high school and trying to get your first job. Everyone does it eventually, right? Sooner or later, you will get that first job. So then you can start building your portfolio in a sense for your freelancing abilities. But it can be tough. Take it in stride. Hang in there. You'll be fine. That's why sometimes if you have time, passion, motivation, and the ability to do freelancing part-time before you dive all the way in, I would suggest you do it. Just kind of stick your toes in the pool. Some people are, you know, end all be all, 100%. Here we go. I'm, I'm giving it up my all. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You can really succeed that way too. But you can also end up doing something you really hate or you turns out you really don't like. But hey, live and learn, teach their own. So what kind of projects have you worked on? If people are able to say, you know, I've worked on this, 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 this is what I did, this is the return on investment, or this is how the customer felt, this is what they asked for, this is what I gave them. These are good questions, these are good responses. If you run into a freelancer who says, Oh, I've done these projects, and you say, Can I see a sample? They say, no, 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 no. I don't give out projects that I did for other clients. That's okay. I get it, right? Certain certain clients are going to ask for an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. That's going to happen. But not every single one. That's not going to be the case with every single one. So if, if you have a freelancer who's not willing to give you any slack, move on. Just move on. They may be great, but trust me, there's other people that'll do a great job for you too, right? What it, You're not going to find the perfect freelancer. You're going to find a good freelancer, hopefully. And that's what these questions are going to help you find. Next, what specific results did you achieve for X campaign? When I say X, whatever campaign you've worked on previously. So that is going to change depending on who what kind of freelancer you're interviewing, right? So let's, let's see. What's a good example. Uh, okay. I do voice. I do voiceover. So if somebody says, you know, what type of project have you worked on? And I say, Oh, I gave the last one I did. I, I did a big, uh, basically a presentation. I voiced uh, a, a great company. They do marketing for businesses out in Silicon Valley and they wanted a presentation video. That way they could throw it up at conferences and things or send it over via email and that way it would show off their brain and what they do, et cetera. Great company, great people. And I voiced that presentation. So they're going to say, what results did you achieve for that presentation? Now, I don't specifically know how well that presentation's doing. I don't know where they've used it. I don't know who they've given it to or what clients have given them great feedback. And I may never. That's, it's a possibility doing what I do. But what I can show is the happiness, the appreciation, the, I guess, all-around support for a job well done. Right? I can show the feedback. I can't show, I guess, the result but then again in this in this line of work doing voice there my my job is to give the client what they're asking for or help them find what they need right in this case, it was very much a give them what they're asking for sort of situation so was I able to accomplish that? Yes, let me show you how now for what's what's another what's in, photography might fall into the same example right um with a photographer they may give a picture and then it's gone they have no idea how it was used they have no idea if it caught eyes or brought it in or brought more traffic in or if it was a good logo brand picture whatever it was they're not sure right but a lot of a lot of photographers can enter contests and these contests will you know whatever panel picks them. Sometimes they'll win and they can say, hey, you know, I, I have all these clients. I do these great things, but I also have these awards, right? You can kind of show off your awards. So it's not just you who thinks your picture is great. It's other people as well. Uh, now for marketing, sales, recruiting, this is where you really show, you co- show your conversion rate, right? What did you do? What did the company gain? What was the actual value of your work, right? You can show these hard numbers and these are great, right? Uh, if you're in customer service, that's a job that works from home. We've talked about that quite big, quite big to work from home and customer service. A lot of companies will hire that. You can show customer calls per hour, right? You can show, Hey, when I come on board, if I'm on the phone constantly, once, you know, This is what I do when I first start. This is how many calls per hour after X amount of time working with the company. This is how many calls per hour I'm getting through. So here's my growth. Here's what I'm handling for the company. This is how many calls I can alleviate from your system, right? You show an actual hard number. Um, Again, if you're in an industry kind of like mine, it's hard to show those hard concrete numbers, but that's that's part of it. You have to play to your strengths, play to your weaknesses. Okay. So, what you if if a question like this comes up, try and give a good answer the best you can, right? Even though there you can't show how the exact results, but then really hit home on something else. Perhaps that's why you do your why you do what you do, or uh, you show all the different types of projects you worked on. Right? Uh, something great about voice is if, if you're in customer service, you may be hired to do a customer service job for months. And you may be, you know, nine to five customer service representative freelance though for months, but that's one client in the same span. Someone who does photography, someone who does these one-off assignments with voice, I can show so many more things in my portfolio than a customer service representative. So there's give and take there, right? So you can say, Oh no, I've done all of these things. So that can also help. So don't, don't feel discouraged when you, if, if you hit this question, which, you know what, I think it's a good question to ask, but to be, to be fair, if you're listening to this and you're someone who's going to be asking this question, ask it, see how they answer, but keep that in mind. If there isn't like quantitative data that you can actually see that these numbers happened, right? Then if that's not the line of work you're in, then kind of give some, I guess, leeway. Fair enough. Moving on. How do you typically measure results? This, this, here we go. Okay, so if you came in real strong with the previous question and said, these are the results. This is what the growth, the value, right? The conversion rate. These are what I provide. These are what I do, right? This is consistent across the board. I can guarantee it, right? If you if you can do that, great. And if you can't, how, how do you measure results. Oh, sorry. How do you communicate your results? Wait, I'm so sorry. I'm jumping around. I'm just so excited to get through this list. So skip what I just said. That's the next question. How do you typically measure your results? That's for someone who does photography, who does one-off jobs, who does voice, who can't really show anything except the client satisfaction. Show that in abundance really, really drive it home, give customer testimonials, say, Hey, do you want to contact my clients? Uh, I've got some great referrals, right? You should have these things. If you're a good freelancer, you should be able to say, I have a great relationship with such and such. If you need me to, I can try and reach out and you can contact such and such. And you two can talk about how great I am. Right. Uh, I was watching a video previously about a CEO who hires freelancers when and if possible. And that's the question they'll ask. They'll say, you know, how do you measure your results? They'll give their answer and they'll say, okay, great. People that you've worked with, can you give me three people I can contact? Basically as a background check, make sure you're doing what you say you're doing. And if they can't give you those three people, they haven't built a relationship with the client that was good enough or an intertwined enough to really On your team because that's what they're looking for. Someone who cares, someone who wants to be a part of the team, someone who wants to long term work with them again, right? And most freelancers want return work. That's half the battle is getting the first client, right? But then once you're once people know the kind of work you do, as long as it's good, they're going if they can use you, they'll come back because it's consistency. They know what they're gonna get. And there's this comfort in that. And that's people love comfort. So how do you measure results? Make sure. You real this is good in any, any freelancer that you're interviewing. This question's great. Perfect. So now how do you communicate your results? This, as I mistakenly said too early, just a second ago, communication's key. When you're a freelancer, if you're thinking about freelancing, you, you need to have communication because you work remote, right? You're not there in the office. They can't see your face when you're trying to convey emotion. Sometimes you're not even speaking. You're just typing, right? And that, that could be a client in all your communications via email or a messaging platform, whatever you use. If that's the case, communications so, so important. Client needs to know deadlines. You need to know. You need to be able to ask for specifics. If you have any questions about a project, don't guess. Ask. Right. Coming from a, if I was a CEO and I gave a project to a freelancer, let's just say writing, because we haven't talked about writing freelance writing just yet. And they I say, hey, here's a topic I really want to cover. They say, OK, great, cool. Uh, you know, I'll have it to you soon. That gives that that worries me. Right. Because I may want it short. I may want it long, right? I may want it to be a centerpiece. I may want it like an in-depth article. I may just want the surface like an iceberg, right? Uh, I may want certain keywords used in that article. I may want resources. I may want those sources cited, right? It depends what we're really going for, okay? So as a writer, you need to communicate that. Say, hey, what do you need? How can I help you? What can I give to you that would make you very happy with my service? Right? And then once you find out, you go do that. So communication is absolutely so, so, so important. Because if if and when things do go wrong, which they will sooner or later, if you haven't communicated properly, that's when everything is lit on fire. And you're running around to put out the fires and try and get things done. And it's just hell in a handbasket. But... If you communicate properly, a lot of that strife, a lot of those problems can be mitigated, right? They can be worked around, okay? So communication, 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 period. Great. Next, what would you do if you missed a deadline? This is an interesting question. This is like the curveball. Uh, they set you up in an interview. There's certain interview questions that are meant to find something negative, right? Something bad, like what's your worst ability or what's your least admirable skill or what's the one thing you hate in the job? Like these questions happen in a regular interview to some degree, right? Not all interviews, especially if the interviewer doesn't know what they're doing or is nervous, right? Interviewing people can be nervous as well or can make people nervous as well. So when you walk into an interview, if you're a freelancer or not, and you're just shaking in your boots because you aren't sure what to expect. You are worried about saying something stupid. You don't know if you're going to have the right answer, whatever the list is. But that interviewer is also, you know, they might be a little anxious as well, especially if it's their, not, or if it's their first time as, as well. They may not know what questions to ask. They may worry, okay, I asked these questions, but did I, did I really learn anything? Or uh, what if I don't ask the right questions? So don't, don't be nervous, right? Just be honest. Now, if you are nervous, sometimes you can't help that it happens. So what would happen if you missed a deadline? What would you do if you missed a deadline? So this intrinsically says, right, you are missing a deadline. That has to happen for the sentence to be correct. right? And you may have never missed a deadline. Good for you. If that ha, but you have to be able to work with the question here. So here's how you answer this wrong, right? Somebody says, "What would you do if you missed a deadline?" And somebody says, "I never miss a deadline." They say, okay. "You know, okay." But either the interviewer is going to move on and say, "Okay, they didn't," they're not willing to be hypothetical with me. They're not willing to work on this question. That's that's a negative, right? They may not be willing to work with me or do hypotheticals or listen to my thoughts when it comes to the project, okay? Now, if they say, all right, l- let's coerce them a little bit. No, no, just just work with me. Or what happens if you do miss a deadline? And then they say something so audacious, like the only reason I would miss a deadline is because the client messed up or the client changed what they needed or the client, basically they remove blame. Red flag, red flag. That lets, that lets you know as the hiring agency that your freelancer will not take blame. They're gonna push it off. It's never gonna be their fault. Right there, don't work with that person, right? Somebody who can take blame and say, I messed up, how do I fix this, right? I messed up, how do I learn from this? I messed up, how do I never do it again? That's a person I wanna work with consistently on a long-term basis. But if somebody says, I never mess up, if something goes wrong, it's not my fault. That's not someone I want to work with. Then it's, they're going to push, push the blame, push the buck. No, thanks. Um, so back to the question, right? What would you, what do you do if you do miss a deadline? So my response instantly, you should give an example of this is what happened. Like, especially if you have an example, right? This is a time that I did miss a deadline. This is what I did to recover. And you give that positive. So negative, because it's already implied, you're missing that deadline. Whoever's asking this question knows that it's supposed to start negative. But then you can try and switch it to a positive, right? And some people want to just see you fall flat. Not everybody, Like right? I, I was always told, start negative and then show how you overcome it, right? But some people, they'll switch this question up and say, give me a time when... You messed up and you couldn't fix it, right? Basically, they set it up as give me a time where everything went wrong, period. And it ended bad, right? Some people also have a problem with answering this question, okay? So plan for that. Just be honest. If somebody really wants, in, hopefully you can tell when you're in the interview, if they're looking for, and if not ask, communication, right? Going back to what we said earlier, Number 6, how do you communicate your results? Communicate. If somebody says, give me a time that you completely failed on a project or completely let your client down. Give them that time. You may want to ask, are you talking about when is a time that I failed and then I recovered and you know and how I fixed it or are you looking for a time that I completely messed up? And usually they'll say, well, I, I don't care either, right? And then you give them the, the bad scenario, then something good happened. But if they truly say, no, I want to hear when you messed up big time and you couldn't salvage it, that also goes with the I'm not passing the blame sort of mentality. You show that, hey, I messed up. I learned from it. But you show that, hey, I've had my mistakes because no one's perfect, Right. You show that you've had your mistakes, and then you let them know, I just won't do that again, or that's never going to happen again, or because of that, I never do this, right? Or what's a good example? Um, Let's say you're working with a client, and you misread something. They asked for something Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. I don't know why I went there with that date, but you accidentally read Friday the 21st. So you got you you plan to get everything a week late. Every the deadline was pushed back a week, complete or thirty first, right? Or two, it's pushed back two weeks, and you just completely mess this up, right? You just now you handle your cal- calendar better. You explain that, right? You say I always double check, and make sure all the details are in place before we move forward on a project. But if you are going to go the bad route, good route, where oh, there was a time when I saw the date. I thought it was a different date. I read it backward, right? 13th to 31st. And as the date, as the uh, deadline approached, the client reached out to me. We spoke. I realized that I had the, the date wrong. And what I did was I communicated to the client and said, okay, I need some leeway. This is what's happening. I'm way behind because of this, right? But you don't just go with, hey, I have a problem to a client. no. Go with solutions, say this is what's happening. this is what this is why it's happening right I messed up the date. This is how I'm going to fix it right And you can say, hey, I can't get it to you by the 13th like we had asked or you had asked, but I can get it to you you know by the 21st or I can get it to you a few days after or I can get you a portion of it so you have something, but it'll be finished this date. Right. And you communicate that. And if that's an issue, please talk to me because I need to I need to know so I can get you the best information, the best project as fast as possible because I made a mistake. Right. But you show how you recover. Okay. Um moving forward. Has a client ended a relationship abruptly? Oh, moving backward. Also, that's probably how I would answer it. I would say something along the lines of um, there was an error in communication where, or I got sick, I missed, I was going to miss a deadline, but then I, the way I solved it was I communicated communicated it clearly to the client. They understood that life happens and we were able to pick a different deadline. And I was able to meet the secondary deadline thanks to their flexibility. And we had a great working relationship and we both left happy. Anyway. Okay. Now moving forward. So has a client ended a relationship abruptly? If so, why? So this is another one of those questions where the answer, if it has happened, it should be obvious, right? Now, if you are in an interview as a freelancer, you might want to field out, kind of get a feel for the the room, watch the person's face, maybe ask a question if you're confused, uh, just to see what they're going for on this. So, are they looking for? And, and if I if I heard it just just plain heard it in interview and hadn't prepped for it, I would think. Let me take a drink of water here. I would think. Give you know, I would want to be honest, but if that honest answer shows the client in a negative light, that's tough because I I, I they're. This question is almost looking for uh, a reason that you failed, right? It goes back to, can you take the blame? Can you learn from your mistakes, right? So I think oh, if you want to cover your bases and you're not sure, you start with, why is the, cl- well, give me a, a, a time that a client ended the relationship abruptly. Um. And you say, okay, I got one. Right. And it says, if so, why? So if that hasn't happened, it has a client. If it hasn't, you say, no, that hasn't happened. But I guess if it did, I would assume these are the potential pitfalls, right? Give some, some stress areas in your type of job where it's like for anybody in the arts industry, you just couldn't agree on something or, they wanted revision after revision after revision, and they just didn't know what they wanted. Right. And you point show that is the problem. So what you do to mitigate it is you always ask questions up front or, um, you get, get things as clear as possible or make sure they're a little bit flexible, et cetera. But if it's like they asked for this many, uh, they want this kind of CPR for their ads click, uh, or sorry, uh, click-through rate. Sorry, not CPR. That's something else <laughs> It brings you back to life. Oh man. But they, if they want a click-through rate of, you know, this much after you work with them and you can't, you just don't make it, but you do show growth. That's your opportunity to say, well, the, the client wasn't happy and they ended the relationship because we weren't getting to those numbers after X amount of time, but we did increase growth. So I feel like it was a success. And if I had more time, I would have been able to adapt the strategy to get them to where they needed to be. I would, I would give it a sort of spin like that a little, a little bit of flavor. But if you, if you don't have an actual scenario, I would make something up and show, Hey, these are my potential pitfalls. This is what could happen. It had, luckily it hasn't happened. Right. And the reason I, I believe it hasn't happened is because I do these things to stop that from happening. But if a client has ended a relationship abruptly, tell, tell why, right. And say, say what you learned. So here's a good example. Here's mine. Um, I was working with a client. I sent them my demo. It was for a, an e-learning module. They wanted me to do a like a professor voice. Okay, so I gave them my pro, you know I gave them my demo. They said, "Hey, we really like your feel, the sound, the tone. We really like these things." So already I'm I'm excited because they like my voice. Okay, they say, "Can you can you give a presentation like a like a like a professor?" I've never been a professor. It's okay, but right voice acting acting so i give it a go and they say that's close right it's very close but can you slow it down and make it more casual right so i make it casual and i slow it down they say oh it doesn't feel natural well in this case with this client i was making sure any sort of breaths that you hear when you speak like that they were edited out so you, they it wasn't natural because it wasn't just free-flowing speaking like you would hear in a classroom. I, I found that out late, right? Um, but they wanted casual, casual is a feel. Natural is um they could have just you know unedited it, I guess, in this case for this client. Sometimes clients don't always say exactly what they want. You'll figure that out if you're a freelancer, it happens. So I slowed it down and I gave it casual, but it wasn't the natural feeling that they wanted. It was uh, too polished in a sense. And when I slowed it down, because I, I, as you can hear sometimes, I speak fairly fast at, at points, but then I, I will slow down at certain points. But my natural speaking process is it's a little bit faster. It's, it's not for, hey, students, let's take a, take a second here, go ahead and look at the board, and we're going to talk about whatever, anatomy. That's not my net. My natural voice isn't like that. I get excited about things, right? So it's not that professor that's done the same lecture five times, (laughs) fairly bored of it and does it every year. Right. So I was trying to bring it down, but I brought it down. And when it was slower, it just didn't seem, it felt too slow. It felt unnatural because of how slow, because for me going that slow, it can be a challenge. And I know that that was something earlier in my career voice acting that I've worked through and I've worked on because that's just something I, it's not as natural for me, just like anything, right? Uh, there's going to be goods and bads, things you really excel at at your job, other things you don't. For salespeople, it could be, I'm really good at closing, I'm really bad at opening, or I'm really great at opening, have a great relationship, but I, I open for 20 minutes and I never close the door. So, anyway, that's an, that's an, then they stopped the project because they felt like, hey, you're not the voice anymore, even though they loved my voice at the very beginning. So it was, a, it was, It was just that moment where I couldn't deliver to the client exactly what they wanted. And that happens. That happens. And so for photography, that might happen where someone will say, can you get a picture of this? I want a picture of a building and I want it to be in black and white, right? And, uh, or or no, okay, let me rephrase that. Can you get a picture of a building? I want it black and white. So they go out and take a picture and they, they do it with a black and white lens or a camera and switch to black and white, or they do a filter or whatever. And they say, uh, you know, the the building looks great, but why is everything black and white? And then you realize, Oh no, they just want a black and white building. Uh Oh, so now you have to go out do some reconnaissance, find your building. That's just black and white. And you take a picture of it and color background. They're like, Oh wow. That's too much color though. Kind of washes the building out. And can the building have a little bit more black and a little less white? And You know, they just start adding things on. Um, and then you you work on it. You try and change it. And they say, oh, you know, that's good. But we really don't like that building, which oh, revision after revision after revision. Um, that's part of freelancing. So get used to that. Uh, so there are certain clients you're going to hit it, knock it out of the park. It's going to go really well right from the get go. Everybody's happy. But there will be a client every now and then that... Almost, you feel like you can't appease them. But I will say, once you do, once you really make that client smile, even if it's you know a back and forth process, it is a good feeling. At least for me. But then again, I like freelancing. So anyway, so why is a client or has a client ended a relationship abruptly? Uh, give a reason why. Show what happened. Show how you won't give that pitfall anymore, or you, you won't have that roadblock anymore. If it's never happened, say. No, these are the things why it could happen. This is what I do to stop it from happening. Cool. What else are you passionate about outside of work? Is the next question. So, this is this is a double edged question, right? Um, what else are you passionate about outside of work? Uh, if somebody really loves what they do. And they throw themselves into it completely. This could take up a big portion of their life. Most people like other things. Mine would, mine would probably say, you know, outside of voice acting, what do you like? Podcasting. Right? Uh, I like learning, even though you're not doing anything, you're, maybe you're learning more about your subject. You know, I love continued education. I actually think continued education is great. Uh, whether I'm not really, really going to get into today, whether you're in collegiate, right. Or if you're learning outside of a collegiate realm, um, continued education though is always good as long as it's good information, right? Those the, the gold dust that's hidden inside blog articles or uh, videos or even people that are, you take on as mentors. It's that gold dust where every once in a while they, you know, some of it, you know, already some of it's just execution and motivation, but the other stuff is just like, oh, wow. That's the secret, right? That's the secret sauce. That stuff. Love that. Um, relentless pursuit for that stuff. It's good. It'll it'll make your life better. It won't. It won't. Investing in yourself will usually not make your life worse, right? And investing in your own knowledge is investing in yourself. Ah, <sighs> uh, sorry, I digress. But what else are you passionate about outside of work? This could be a chance for someone hiring you to maybe bond. Where you say, "I like boats." Well, maybe that boss has a boat. Oh well, wow! You know, do you have your own boat? You guys get talking, and it's a good way to connect to each other, right? Um, this could just be a thing to a uh, question to say can you Can you just answer something about yourself? Um, right, because it's it's easy to talk about work, but sometimes selling yourself as a person not just not just oh this is the work I give that that can throw people off. Um, it's important. It's the whole thing, right? You're part of the process. They want to get to know you. I think this, out of all the questions, this might, this could be the question that maybe you don't ask, but it could reveal some really interesting things. So let's say you hire a freelancer that's a, uh, a brand or a, a logo, let's say a logo designer, right? They're really good at marketing and research. Uh, maybe they do certain, um, they bring, bring people into rooms and what's that thing where they uh, have people react, they get focus study focus studies. Um, it escapes me. I'm so sorry, but maybe they're really good at doing the research and figuring out what colors, what symbols, what things work best for your brand, or maybe they're just really good at design, right? And they're going to create something really fun and eye catching. well, you want to hire somebody who's going to make your logo and you say, Hey, what are you really interested in? Let's say, let's say you, so let's stick with the boats. You make boats. Maybe you make boating accessories. Maybe you make fish hooks. Maybe you make white uh, whitewater rafting, I, something, something water related, right? Let's say they have a common interest in the water. Okay. They may take a bigger interest in your project. If you say, okay, you have a common interest in the water. We kind of deal with water. Let's give it a water theme, right? Uh, There may be a way for you to connect to the project to get a little bit extra out of that freelancer because I I would hope freelancers are willing to give their best, right? They're not going to just give, "Ah, well, I think they'll be okay or happy with, yeah, I think they'll be okay with this, right? Some jobs, maybe that's all they want. They just need it done right? They don't care. They just need something. Those are sometimes apparent. Make sure you communicate correctly. That way you're not doing uh, something. Let's call it um, community theater Community theater compared to Broadway. If they don't need Broadway and they want community theater, deliver community theater, right? That's just an example where don't go too far above and beyond, especially if they don't want it, but, but going that a little bit extra is always good. I think it shows a little bit about who you are, right? So anyway, if, if you're able to connect with someone on an emotional or, uh, a, an activity or fun interest level, they may go a little bit extra, do a little bit extra, take more pride in your project. Uh, That might be more for a job owner trying to really get the best from the freelancer. Okay. So that that actually, you know what? That's what I'm gonna peg this as. If this is a question, if you really care and you want the project done the best you possibly can, right? You might ask this question to the freelancer not to get really their response, but to figure out how you can get a common ground with them and build a rapport. Right. This is to, to benefit your relationship with them, not to benefit necessarily the end product, but it will be a byproduct of your better relationship. The, the product is the end, the better product will be a byproduct of your good relationship. Okay. Now, what tools do you use? Um, this question, does it matter? Sometimes. So shoot. How do I how do I respond to this? So there's the physical tools. There's the uh, mental tools and emotional tools, right? Uh, Physical tools, I do voice acting. So I'm going to be using quality microphone, studio to record in. Uh, I'm going to use pop filter, right? I'm going to use the proper audio editing software, things along this line. But most people are going to have these, right? So move it up. Next step, this. Right. Okay. So I have what everybody else has, or even if you have a little bit less than what everybody else has, you have to say, okay, now what else do I have? Right. It's not just tools, just aren't, you know, what's in your hands. Yay, opposable thumbs. Right. But our brain is like the best tool there is, hands down. It's, it's an amazing piece of work. Right. Cause if you, if you had no hands, you could, you could design, you could, if you were smart enough, right? Studied enough. You could design maybe a robot or some sort of like apparatus to help give you arm movement back. Now, it's never going to be the same as the what you're given from birth, but it could definitely help, right? So what what's inside your head is a huge tool. I, I don't know if you want to leverage this in your answer. Uh, I certainly think, communication is the biggest tool, right? Understanding the client and you just wrap it back into it in a nice little neat package with a bow of, Hey, I'm the right, I'm right for this project because of, and you, you get out of just the physical tools you get into the communication, the, uh, I have what it takes, the determination. I have the, uh, the experience. Experience is a tool wisdom, right? Um, I would take it into that realm as well and really, uh because an interview is a time to really bolster yourself. Basically, you're bragging in a formal way. So do so. Really talk yourself up. Okay? Um, this article gives final thoughts here at the end of this. And I'm just going to read it for you. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't pre-read this, so... You know, we'll give it a go, see what happens. Reviewing portfolios helps to narrow down who is best to work with for your current needs. Look at reviews, ratings, testimonials, and referrals to get a sense of the freelancer's past experience. From there, it's awesome to set up short intro chats to touch base on any other questions you have for them. At the end, you'll have a clear sense of how, freelance, how freelancer managers Well, sorry about that. How a freelancer manages their time and workload, how they communicate, if they're results-oriented, and if they're excited to work with you or not. So that that's exactly it. Are they able to do the job? Can they show that they've done the job in the past? Uh, what type of person are they? Uh, are, are they going to give 110%? Are they just going to give minimal effort? Is that what you're looking for? Right. Do they meet, does the freelancer meet your needs? Okay. Um, so I grabbed another list and a lot of it's the same, but I like to compare two articles at once. I don't like to just get one piece of information right? And say, Oh yeah, here, this is what I read. So this must be it. Okay. So, uh, my, my big thing is just do your research, right? So all business.com got another article from them. Some, something similar, 12 questions asked freelancers before you hire them. Um, I'm going to run through these and we'll talk about any of them that weren't on the other list. Cause there were 10 there and there's 12 here. What makes you proud that, that sounds oddly similar to why do you freelance, right? Uh, there, it could be taken in two different directions, but you know, you need to be excited about your work. That's what you're showing here, right? A job well done, making the client happy, etc. What's your level of expertise? I guess that could be a trade-off for how long have you been doing this, right? So, I get two different answers technically, but same vein. How would your last client rate you? Uh, I think. Something along this line, I I talked about, can you get a client referrals earlier with one of these uh, in the previous article? So probably something very similar to what we've covered already. What have you done before? Great. Yeah. Show what you've done. How do you deal with unhappy clients? Oh, okay. So this kind of goes with why did a client cancel abruptly or what's the worst thing you've done? You know, questions like this, where they put you into a position where you already have something negative happening and now you got to work now you have to work your way out how do you deal with unhappy clients listen to them respect them hear them respond you know make make sure their needs are met deliver execute uh, on this list it also says what's your rates that's going to depend it's going to that's going to vary so i'm not sure why this is on this list, but it is important to, to define what you're going to get paid for that job. So I, I would never start with this. So once you know, you're going to hire the person, then you talk about price, right? Um, I think starting with price sets the wrong tone. If a business says, Oh, Oh, okay. Hey, you know, I'm X, Y, Z corporation. You must be Mr. Freelancer. So what are your rates? That, that lets you know that that business only well, it seems at least that that business only cares about that bottom dollar. So if you if you're cheaper than the you know Mrs. Freelancer, then you're going to get the job. That's what it starts to sound like. And if they're trying to really you know drive price down, they might start with that. But it's not about price. It's about getting that project done. Some I mean there may be a budget. Don't get me wrong. But some things are going to take more time, more money, and the quality you're going to get hopefully is going to be better. Not always but hopefully how deep is your understanding how deep is your under uh, sounds like a song lyric oh it's how deep is your love that's a song that's a that's that's a song that's out okay um so what's your expertise how long have you been doing this same concept what are your career goals that's interesting so basically are you going to continue freelancing what do you expect out of yourself that's that's nice to see somebody say you know are you going to 10x this? Do you only want a small amount of clients? Mm. Are you looking for a large portfolio? Or are you looking for standard repeat clients? Things like this. What is your honest availability? It's odd that they put honest in there, right? Because I would think you would be honest, but it's that lets me already know that some people lie. And that, that's about meeting deadlines. If you're a freelancer, you communicate properly and you meet deadlines and you can give <clears throat> what you've promised. Even if that's not what the client wants, if you can give what you've promised, that speaks volumes for you compared to a lot of people that are out there, right? Um, some people start to get this mentality that, oh, I'm, I'm my own boss. I don't have to work for you. I don't have to put up with you. I don't have to do what you say you don't know. I'm the freelancer. Um I'm not sure if if you could see me right now. I'm kind of rubbing my forehead here because it's not it's not the best attitude. I mean there's confidence and there's arrogance. Right? You knowing you're good because of data is one thing. Thinking you're good because of feeling. Uh, I mean, I feel like there's a fable or a life lesson in there somewhere. So just be careful with this. Um, But when somebody asks, what's your availability? Give. I would tell them. I'd say I can devote X amount of hours to your project, period. I I like to undershoot and and then give more than what I said. So, Basically, I do this so I will never d- upset the client, right? Unless somebody, unless I get hit by a bus and I'm in the hospital, heaven forbid, right? But I like to, if somebody says, can you give me five hours a week? And I have 10 hours to give? I'll say, yes, of course. If somebody says, can you give me 10 hours a week? And I have 10 spare hours. I would probably say something along the lines of this. I have, without a doubt, 10 hours of spare work, but I don't want to commit to that because if something goes wrong, I get sick, my workload increases. I wouldn't want your end product to suffer. So with transparency, I can give you 100% eight hours a week, right? i knock that thing down. Now I will plan to give you 10, but I can guarantee eight. And if you're okay with eight, then we're going to be completely fine, right? Right. And hopefully you're just gonna have ten the whole the whole entire project or something like that so i would I would undershoot a little bit uh, like it's just like in sales if you if you quote somebody a price and you say hey it's a thousand dollars and then later you come back and say just kidding it's nine hundred dollars hey look at that they're happier if you quote somebody as a thousand dollars and then you come back and say no sorry it's it's eleven hundred right that one is really great because they've already said yes a higher amount, they're going to say yes to a lower amount, but upping that bar, whether it's time, um, price, whatever the case is, it can have negative effects on the client. Or if you're the client, it can have negative effects on the freelancer or if you're in sales, whatever. What does your dream project look like? That's an interesting question. Oh my gosh. I don't, what is my dream project? Uh, a fun project, maybe something a little new, uh, a client that likes my product after they see my portfolio, uh, and it's easy. It's simple, not easy in the sense that it doesn't take skill. Obviously, if you've been doing your craft for a long time, you have all this calm, culmination of knowledge and information, but it just seems like it goes smooth a smooth project, good communication, fun, friendly client, and everybody has fun, a good time. And they want to offer referrals. They come back and work again, things like that. Just good business. I think that's my dream project. And since I don't have like the one and only dream project, that's why I love freelancing. Cause I could have that dream project on multiple projects, you know, throughout a month, even, do you have any questions? Oh, that's a good, thanks. All right, I like that. A lot of businesses don't ask that. Do you have any questions? You should. As a freelancer, you should. If you don't, you're in trouble. Ask questions. Last, what's your preferred method of communication? I like that. It's a good question. Um, yeah, to tie into our outro here, because we've been going at it for a while. Uh, my preferred method of communication is LinkedIn. All right, if you're watching this, if you see this, Alec Denkoff, LinkedIn, add me. That's our podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the weekend, we're going 11 a.m. EST to noon, doing UK versus US. I have a great co-host from across the pond that pops over, and we we talk about what's interesting in comparison to the US and the UK. We have been talking about food, and I think we're going to get into more weird laws the U.S. and the U.K. have, and that'll be this weekend. Every weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, 11 to noon. And if we don't get the traction, that's a show that might get disrupted a little bit. Uh, If you like it, tell your friends. Share it, please. Um, Because that show may stay, that may go away, depending on the feedback we get. But this, this I love. Freelancing, uh, working from home. This topic, it's a good topic. I think it's got a lot of room to grow, a lot of subjects to cover, a lot of info that should be shared. Thanks again, Malik am Dinkoff, and uh, it was a pleasure. We'll see you tomorrow.